And welcome to another episode of the Flight Plate Podcast. I am a co-host, Josh Wenis, and just in case you've forgotten, because it's been a spell, I'm joined as always here by touring professional Jordan Castro. Jordan, man, it's been a long time. We're back. How you doing? I am doing well, yeah. It's been a very long time. Lots of scheduling, conflicts, a lot of things going on. Not having the greatest days. Uh, just a lot of everything going on. But yeah, it feels good to be back again. Yeah, for sure. It's a good thing. We're here. We're back. We're recording. Uh, you know, we apologize for the the halt there, and I had kind of recorded a solo episode last week, but wasn't really happy with it just because, I don't know, it just didn't feel the same without having Jordan on there. Just me rambling. It didn't work out real well, so I spared all of you from listening to that, but here we are, and uh, let's roll and jump right in. It's going to be a little bit of a different episode. You know, we're not going to dive super hard into all the tournaments that have happened or anything like that. We're going to talk about them briefly, um, or at least a couple of the big notes, but we're also going to talk about a couple other things about Jordan's tour life and all this good stuff, because I think people kind of are are intrigued by this. Let's put it that way. So uh, let's jump right in. You know, since the last time that We've actually had an, an episode here. I mean, that was back after the preserve. That's how long it's been. Uh, man, it's it's been a spell. But, you know, the, the big talking points that we wanted to talk about for sure is we had a major. We had the European Open. And uh, that was definitely not uh, a letdown as far as the excitement goes on both the MPO and the FPO side of things. Uh, Paige Pierce ultimately taking down the FPO side of things, although... You know, Evelina was right there through through the majority of it, and Paige just kind of came back out of nowhere. I shouldn't say out of nowhere. I, I take that back. She came back and, and just scratched and clawed and, and, and picked up the victory. And then on the MPO side, I think I, with the exception of the man who won it himself, I don't know that anybody really expected to see it, but Eagle McMahon out of nowhere throwing all backhands and then some lefty backhand to counteract not having the forehand – um, taking the, down the European Open on the MPO side of things by one stroke over Paul Macbeth in an epic, epic battle. That was absolutely great. Um, and what was crazy is like, first and second were, what, 16, 17 strokes ahead of third? So just yeah. a bananas victory. Uh, absolute stellar play. Give just you know brief kind of overview of what you thought, your impressions from the European Open there, both sides. Yeah, it was super awesome to watch. It was just kind of a battle on men's side. Obviously, it was uh, they're playing match play because they had, they had third place out of the water too. So especially for the other players in the field, they're they're playing for position. So yeah, it was an awesome show. I got to tune in every every day for the men's because I'm a morning bird. Um, so they teed up at like 7 a.m. So I got to watch that. Then I watched like one or two holes of the women's. Then I passed out. So I didn't really get to watch. I just kind of woke up to it. So I got to watch some of the recap of it. And it was just fun battle. I mean, the weather wasn't so great on a few of the days. And that course is super fun. And um, yeah, it was just in general cool to watch and see. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I got to I got to say it and I posted I I know I tweeted about it, but what does it say for the skill level of somebody to take away their greatest attribute that puts them uh, at the upper echelon of the entirety of the MPO field to take that away from Eagle in his forehand, not have his power forehand, but to be able to win a major like this in such, I'd say convincing fashion, but obviously Paul was right there. But I mean, over the rest of the field, obviously just a dominating win. Uh, How crazy is that talent? Yeah, it's pretty surreal. I mean, I feel like Eagle's sidearm is just kind of like a huge bonus. Then just to take that away is kind of kind of like mind-blowing. But then again, if you think about that course, it's not that many shots where he would throw a sidearm. But there was a few times when I was watching where it would be like a sidearm flick like 200 feet away. And he threw, like the, s- the slope wasn't favoring the backhand. So he had a couple of rollaways, this and that. But uh, I think what I was kind of watching, what Philo's nailed it, he's like, he's the top five player in the world he's going to adapt to it and he's been practicing the left he's been the backhand so i mean he's just super good and i honestly can't imagine what i would do like say if i hurt my elbow and couldn't throw it backhand or and or had to go completely sidearms at any course i mean my sidearms 300 350 maybe if that but like to have that 400 450 is way different and yeah it's just kind of mind-blowing yeah, absolutely surreal. I think that's the best way to put it is surreal, and it's just just bananas to see that, um, to take, you know, and, and just see his progression. We saw it a little bit at the beginning of the year when he was playing before he decided to take more time off after re-injuring his shoulder. Um, we saw a little bit of that, you know, that kind of that turnover game that he's been working on and the mids and, and all of this, this extra stuff that he's been putting in the work since he can't have the or couldn't use the forehand. And uh, it's all coming to fruition, really. I mean, it's it worked really well for him over there in Europe, and uh, his plan was to play over in Europe and to play at Worlds, and that's all he's committing to right now. And uh, it's gotta gotta put a um, a little bit of an it, it makes Worlds that much more interesting, in my opinion, just because I mean, any other year when he's healthy, obviously he's a top contender, especially at a place like uh, Emporia, and. Now, you know, it was kind of like, I don't know. I mean, I'm an Eagle fan. I didn't pick him for my pick six in Europe, that's for sure. And uh, shame on me for that because, wow, it's making me think long and hard about Worlds. It's going to be intriguing, that's for sure. And just to, like, go off of that, too, is the Worlds courses, he doesn't really need a a power sidearm on a lot of those, too. So he kind of get away with the backhand, the backhand roller, and just, like, the sky any shot. I mean, like I said, he's just so dialed in with all those shots and, I bet it's kind of like that stress relief or like, I don't know, it's just like you don't play for so long and you come to a tournament and just average 1050, 1060, 1070, just like that. First tournament back and win. So it's kind of like, wow. It's like, did they really, like, oh my gosh. It's like, now we now we wish Eagle wasn't playing, but we all want him back, obviously, <laughs> as fans. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You you want to you wanna play against the best, but you kind of don't want to play against the best at the same point. I get it. Right. I definitely get it. Um that's that's crazy. So I, then a hypothetical here for you that I wanted to ask um, after that tournament was, how would you feel, put yourself in Paul's shoes here for just a second, taking, uh, averaging a, a 1072 event average, okay? Like that's, that's incredible. That's an amazing stat or an amazing uh, number. 1072 average, but still ending in second. So I... 
how would how would you as a, as another professional? How would you take that? I mean, would you would you be stoked on the ten seventy two average? Would you be yeah, it's okay, but I didn't get the dub. Or how would you look at that? Yeah, I'd, I'd be still um, like very happy with it. I mean, ten seventy is no joke, especially averaging it. I mean, I've shot a ten seventy before. And I was like, dang, that was sick. Then I to do it again. It's just it's so hard. But I mean, realistically, losing by one is the worst. I mean, like losing by one, missing cash by one, doing this by one because there's so many strokes that you can give away or that you can think of. Then I mean especially the Eagle, like Paul lost. And uh, I talked to Paul at um, Deglo the, the following week after Europe. He's like, now I lost to a guy with no sidearm twice, James and, yeah. and Eagle. So it was kind of funny to hear him say that, but like he was just basically saying like, like that's what the, where the game's going and evolving to. It's just like, these guys don't need a sidearm to compete. But I mean, he, like he said, best is like he had three or four opportunities on the last four holes. I mean, yeah. if he plays, if you play match play, I mean, when Eagle goes out of bounds, Paul goes out of bounds right after him. I was like, you could literally just do any shot in your bag and save one stroke and you're tied, then potentially go into overtime. So. Yeah, definitely an awful lot of second guessing uh, shots. I'm sure, at least at the at right after the fact for Paul there. But um, man, oh man, what a tournament! What a great great thing to watch. I had the uh, unfortunate i I shouldn't say unfortunate. I had the uh, the privilege of not being able to watch much of the European Open uh, as we were on a family vacation um, down to incredibly hot Omaha, Nebraska. But uh, uh, did get to catch the final like four or five holes of the final round as we were eating breakfast on Sunday morning. So I was able to catch that and uh, watch that insanity. So awesome all around. And, you know, since then, since coming back to stateside, like you mentioned, we've had D glow, we've had uh, the mid America open now and uh, on the silver series and, you know, D glow was no slouch. Awesome to see uh, Kelvin walk away with that after a one hole playoff. And, uh, Another great tournament there from from the MPO side of things uh, and the FPO side of things as well. Uh, a lot of fun to watch. Did you have any uh, brief takeaways there from Deglo? Yeah, the course is super hard, <laughs> super hard, <laughs> and just uh, the new holes are super fun and uh, unique and different. Uh, just just obviously challenging. Like what I've been telling people is like the pro tour is just kind of adapting to the where the courses are getting harder. And I mean, especially this week, it's obviously we're recording it's Ledgestone week, so we're playing Northwood Black and Eureka Temp. So I mean, two of the harder courses uh, that we play in one tournament. So yeah, it's just it's it's awesome. I mean, especially the weather was no joke. I mean, it was so hot out there. Then every hill was uphill or down. Every hole was uphill or downhill. So like, throw a shot, make sure you're not farthest away, then throw in again. So it was yeah, it's it's just been it's been a uh, crazy. Crazy, crazy. Yeah, absolutely. And like you said, you know, we're on the the verge or on the uh, verge of Ledgestone here. Um, going to be another fun tournament to watch, and we're going to talk a little bit about that leading up to it here in just a little bit. But kind of wanted to pick your brain here, Jordan, a little bit about you know since the last time that we talked around the preserve, um, your your play, and, and in talking to you a little bit, obviously cleared some of this language here for you before beforehand, but. You know your your play. You you've struggled a little bit. Let's be blunt about it. And um, just kind of wanted to get your take on 
how you're as a touring professional, maybe not necessarily just this time, but any other time that you've struggled like this, um, how you how you approach the next next round, the next tournament, the next day, whatever it is, or the next week's worth of practice. Um, is there anything specific that you do either practice wise or mentally or anything like that? Or is there anything that you're really focusing on right now? Right. Yeah, definitely a good question. I think mentally right now, it's just trying to stay positive. I mean, every, I mean, disc golf and golf and every sport, I mean, there's going to be those ups and downs, I think. And I think right now it's just like, you got to focus on the positives. I mean, that's the biggest thing I kind of took away from the last few events is I've thrown so many great shots, like, it felt great, good release. And like, just turn, I kind of learned that from Eagle and Eric Oakley when I caught up to him and practice around like a few years ago in Vermont, they were just like, they would throw a bad shot, hit a tree or something. Then they turned like that scenario into a, a good positive, like sentence or something. Like the disc felt great out of the hand. It was good height, good this and that. So like, I think that's been helping me a lot. And plus I've been watching a lot of golf. So like, I've watched probably the last four months of golf every weekend uh, when I can, like just regular golf and just kind of see how they approach it and just like out of position wise. So it's just kind of, I've learned a lot about that. And just like I said, staying positive. And um, as for like physical, there's been some times where um, say diet's not, not great there or just like don't feel like great on the course or off the course. Um, then for practice wise, um, I mean, I feel like those first few weeks probably preserved this to that was putting. And obviously my biggest weakness is putting right now, which I felt like over the last few years, putting's been my strong suit and saving my game. Um, but now it's the getting off the tee. Um, I struggled off the tee so much uh, lately. It's just kind of following through or just like like the my footwork, this and that. So I've been doing a lot of field work, been doing a lot of approaching, slowing down taking time like actually thinking about the shot versus doing it compared to like going out there and just chucking like oh i'm here at northwood black like you can't be out there just chucking you have to like execute and today i was my um first day here i actually drove down from madison three hours to play here and i just told myself no expectations we're playing the hardest course in the world realistically and bogeys are going to happen trees are going to happen and i threw off the tee the best I've probably thrown off in the last three months. I was like, Oh my gosh, like this, it was just like rewarding confidence. Um, and I shot my best round ever. I shot two down with the bogey missed like a 20 footer on the last hole. So I was like, that is unbelievable. Like I couldn't imagine to shoot under par here. Like I actually beat the course. Um, a lot of good, good breaks, a lot of good shots, good approaches, good putts. So like that was just kind of like, telling myself like i can still do it it's just like i have to put it all together you know and like i've i've told plenty of people and like people tell me the same thing just like you have what it all what you have it all you just got to put it together and like that's the biggest thing i always have one of three down or two or three i just don't have the three so like putting approaching and driving so like i always have two of three every tournament then when i shoot under a thousand rated or whatever it's just like all right i only had one of the three or zero out of three. It's like there's always something lacking, but I feel like it will come along for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, as far as, I mean, you mentioned the confidence boost of getting down there today and, and shooting a great, throwing a great round and, and feeling great about it. And maybe you could put in a word with Nate. He might be able to, you know, 
count that round for you the first first round or something like that get you started off hot i'm i'm just joking of course i'm just teasing but uh, it's it's but it's just good to see that kind of insight and you know get it from a professional's perspective so which is something like i said we don't always see i mean we always hear that's the thing about some of the other podcasts out there is we get the winners of the event and that kind of thing and get to hear how they took it and and everything like that but getting the uh the other perspective there definitely really interesting so I uh, appreciate you sharing that for sure. But uh, so we've got Ledgestone coming up, like you said, probably the hardest pair of courses together, uh, two courses that you've got on the tour period. What kind of a, you know, what kind of a game plan or mindset are you you going in? I know you said before that bogeys are going to happen, but there's got to be a little bit more to the the thought process ahead of going into that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think the biggest thing for me, and I talked to a few people today on the course that I kind of caught up and passed to is uh, I got to score at Eureka. I mean, Eureka is going to be the place to score because, I mean, you shoot six, seven, eight under out there. It's easy to go over par at Northwood. So, like, you just got to maintain at Northwood and just kind of not give too many uh, strokes to the course, too. So I think that's the biggest thing. And just uh, just keep it in a fairway. I mean, I'm clubbing down a lot. I'm throwing a lot of mid-rays and and fairways on a lot of the holes just to kind of put myself in position and – since last year, they trimmed up a lot of the landing zones, so they're a bit wider. Um, I, I noticed that at Junior Worlds when I came here and hung out with the kids and the Masters and stuff. So um, instead of having, a say, a 30-foot landing zone, you got 60 to 80 feet. So, like, if you miss a shot, you you can kind of get lucky or just, like, you have an area versus, say, a pitch-out, too. So, And I think the biggest thing is going to be um, the – the backups and the weather. I mean, obviously we're in the Midwest now, so the humidity is hot. So my hands were really sweaty today too. So I might have to get some uh, more whale sacks and kind of get some dirt onto them. So yeah, absolutely. Keep those hands good and dry. So um, yeah, that's that's definitely you know something to uh, to that we don't really hear a lot from from other people as far as what the mindset is going into a tournament like this. So. Um, definitely really cool. So what's, what do you think going now that you had, a, you had yourself a, a little bit of a break off of the tour here the past, uh, week or so you had, like you said, you were there for, um, junior and master worlds. And then you had this last weekend off, at least from, from tournament play. So what's your, what's your uh, outlook on going forward here in, in, as far as the pro tour goes coming up? Yeah, just, uh, play this tournament and next uh, Des Moines challenge next week and just play it confident and just throw the shots. I mean, I feel like I'm Ricky Fowler right now, just on the, on the bubble of getting into the FedEx cup. So he barely got in and I think I'm just right there too. So I feel the same way. So, and obviously I've been playing well at the elite series. If you check the PDGA, like my elite series are the worst, like, and I felt like I can compete on some of these and, I've talked to a lot of people and um, the people that I played with recently, and they're like, yeah, dude, I think you're just playing too conservative. I was like, yeah, that makes so much more sense, too. And, like, to think about it, like, that's why a lot of people score so well, like, six, seven under, because they're attacking every hole, where it's like, if I'm out of position, like, okay, lay up, lay up. So I think I think I just got to play a little bit more aggressive and uh, help the scores-wise, too, and just, like, not worry about the the, um, the outcome. That like the negative outcome, focus on the positive outcome. I think. 
Yeah, for sure. Do you know, I mean, was there a time, uh, is the is the playing conservative like you're talking about, is that something that's kind of new to you as far as a trend goes? Were you usually, or previously, were you attacking holes and, and everything like that? Is this just something that's kind of sunk in there? or? Um... I think it's just kind of like over the years just playing conservative. I think that's why it's just like instead of taking top 10, top 15, top 20, I'm taking like 35th, 40th. 60th or something like that so i think if i play more aggressive on like holes i just tell myself that like oh i can't get there it's like i'm already putting myself in the negative energy mindset so it's like all right i can attack this hole i felt like that today at hole 12 at um northwood black that's that par five that's super hard one the par six almost with the bridge and i was like all right you're five on this thing today and i literally threw the worst tee shot ever then pitched up got all the way to the top of the mountain and got up and down from 200 feet. So I was like super happy about like five and that, like I said, I threw the disc really well today when I never thought I would too. So yeah, right on. Uh, that's, that's awesome. That's good to hear. Um, and I just kind of was wondering about as far as the, the, the change of play goes, like you were talking about attacking, attacking holes versus playing conservatively. I wonder how much of that has to do with also the competition out there. Let's be honest. I mean, in the past few years, it's gotten absolutely crazy with with talent out there, young players that are just out there gunning for everything. Where you know, three, four, five years ago on tour, playing conservative, that gets you, like you said, in the top. You know, put you in the top ten and put you in contention. Um, but now it's 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 changed a little bit. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Right on. So we've got Des Moines ahead of us, and like we talked about, and I, we're going to obviously be a little bit more consistent here uh, with with recordings and whatnot, and we'll get them in for sure, and and after the tournaments and, and ahead of tournaments and all this good stuff. But uh, just wanted to kind of touch base here quick. We did want to leave the folks stay, uh, without the PDGA secret stat of the week for sure, and I've got a few here. They're talking about tournament stuff that we haven't necessarily talked about here on the podcast but that's okay because i think it's worthwhile the first one we're going to talk about here is the fpo winner from this last weekend at the mid-america mid-america open jordan's teammate at mvp sarah hokum the queen of clean racked up a victory and sarah hokum's first career fpo win was at the mid-america open in 2008 she averaged an 885 rating back in 2008 and last week she averaged uh, excuse me last week she earned her 94th fpo win so 94 fpo wins at the mid-america open again and averaged 967 so 885 to 967 difference there over the course of 94 wins and now she has won more silver series events than any other player, at least on the FPO side. I'm pretty sure the MPO side, too. But uh, that's pretty crazy. Pretty uh, stark uh, consistency there from the queen of clean, uh, as she's known. Pretty awesome. A lot of fun to watch her win and and, uh, take down that tournament. Yeah, absolutely. And it was just just awesome to watch. Uh, I saw that that stat or uh, Facebook post or whatever. I was like, I had no idea. It was super, super awesome to see. Yeah, definitely really, really cool. Uh, So let's talk about some other previous tournaments here as far as stats goes. Uh, We're going to go back last year to Ledgestone. So 2021 Ledgestone Insurance Open. Northwoods Black averaged six over par in the MPO field. Six over, average. 
The lowest score came in from Kyle Klein, who shot eight under in round three, which is just bananas considering the the difficulty of that course and the average. So that's something we've got to look forward to here uh, this next week or this next weekend. Here is some some tougher scoring for the pros. And the other one we're going to talk about here is the FPO side of things on Ledgestone. Paige Pierce last year won it by 11 strokes last year at Ledgestone, and it tied, it only tied for her sixth biggest margin of victory on the Pro Tour, which is crazy. Sixth biggest margin of victory was 11 strokes. Across two rounds, she shot five strokes better at Northwood Black than any other FPO player. So two different rounds that she shot five strokes better. That's that's going to win you a tournament. That's no doubt about that, playing that well. Um, that's that's absolutely crazy. Um, she's good. What can we say about, about right. Paige Pierce that hasn't been said already? Um, so let's uh let's talk a little bit about going forward here. So obviously, like we said, we, we have Ledgestone coming up. You have Des Moines coming up. Worlds is just around the corner, and then we kind of get into the swing towards the playoffs. And I know you mentioned, you know, earlier just yourself, you're kind of on that that bubble, so to speak. You're playing the Ricky Fowler role uh, right now. And um, what uh, what out of the courses that are coming up here, which ones do you have any like ones that you're really excited to get to or anything like that? I think it's like say Ledgestone, Des Moines. Uh, then I'll be home for a week in Phoenix, then Worlds. I mean, I feel like this biggest stretch, too, even Pittsburgh, I think this next four weeks are going to be super busy, just, like, cross-country, and all the courses are good, too. Um, yeah, like, then even Maple Hill, Vermont, like, USEDC, there's so many good courses and tournaments coming, so I feel like the second half of the stretch is, like, better almost, just because of the views, the courses, the challenges of the course, the ten temperature just everything i think yeah fall ball or fall golf is is best golf that's for sure um right. i can attest to that so outstanding well i'm definitely looking forward to this stretch um you know there was hope that i was going to be able to get down to des moines to catch to catch that tournament unfortunately that's not going to work out for me but um nonetheless excited to watch all of the action coming forward here on the pro tour uh on dgn on youtube on all the different post-production and, of course, through UDISC following it. So it's going to be a lot of fun for sure. Um, do you have any – let's see. How did I want to word this? Is there anything outside of the the, the – I lost my train of thought here. Uh, is there anything outside of the courses themselves that you're looking forward to here coming up? Not just the play itself, but – Anything coming up in the disc golf world? Let's put it that way. I know you know MVP has got some cool stuff going on. You've got some stuff going on that's coming up here in the next uh, next couple months or so. So why don't you give us a little fill in on what's going on with you? Yeah, just a few projects, a lot of lessons, a lot of clinics. Um, I am actually the the weekend after Des Moines, I'll be heading back to Phoenix. I'll be running the uh, MVP Circuit Challenge that just filled uh, seventy two people, which is awesome. Um, I'm doing uh, nine $100 cash CTPs on a nine-hole course. We're going to play it twice, so everybody's going to be playing that. So I raised quite a bit of money doing that, um, so that's exciting. Then I'm doing a a C tier at Fountain Hills. I'm tournament director there, so that would be kind of cool to kind of run it and take the whole things going on. That's filled up, too. Then 
Um, later in the year, we're doing the big arm challenge that we just got approved for a B tier. So uh, I'll be running that too. So it, it's just, I mean, doing the player and the um, and the tournament side is kind of new to me, but I uh, just kind of wanted to try it out and see how we're see how we can do that in the future wise. And like I said, off season's coming, so I'll do a lot of lessons and clinics and uh, just recovery, just a lot of um, relaxing and off season workout program. So uh, yeah, just kind of like I said, this next six seven weeks are going to be packed, busy, busy, busy. Then it's off season pretty much almost. Um, so. Yeah, I'm just excited for everything. And then being down in Phoenix, you don't have an off season really. I mean, there's not much to it. You're, you guys are playing all through the winter. Yeah, it's gonna be awesome just to see the guys again. Just play leagues and some cash rounds, some skins, uh, a couple course projects. I'm working with the gentleman down there, so we're gonna try to make a make a area down there for disc golf. So it's gonna be cool. Yeah, awesome. That's that's super cool. Um, you know, it's it's been a spell since we've done one of these shows for sure, but we want to go ahead and um, shout out for sure a couple of sponsors that have been here from uh, the whole time, even when we haven't been recording episodes and supporting us. Big shout out to Upper Park Disc Golf um, for supporting not only Jordan, but also the show. Um, awesome. I, I've said it before. I have a, a Rebel, and I absolutely love it. Uh, I know Jordan's got both the Rebel and the Shift. You still rocking the Shift? Still rocking the Shift, yep. Yeah, sick bag. Uh, Super, super comfortable bag. Holds everything that you could possibly need and more. So make sure you check all of that out and make sure you're following all the social medias, not just the Flight Plate, but make sure you're following Jordan's social medias as well and supporting him in any way that you can. He's got all sorts of goodies out there still. I I think he's still got goodies left, right? Yep, absolutely, yeah. Awesome. So definitely make sure you hit them up. Um, and also just in randomness going through some of my stuff here at the house, I still happen to have five flight plate Jordan Castro collab discs. I don't know how I still have them. They were in a little box tucked away. Um, so hit me up if you're still looking for one of those. Uh, one of the coolest stamps that I have ever seen, regardless of, of me having any part of it whatsoever. But uh, definitely very, very cool and happy to pass those along to people if they're interested so uh definitely check that out and um yeah jordan anybody else any other sponsors you want to shout out while we're here yeah just like i said thanks for everybody for tuning in and just kind of supporting us i mean like i said it's been a off last few weeks and month or so just kind of like i said busy with everything and um yeah just excited to be back and now that in the next six seven weeks we've got going as we got some scheduling so we'll have an episode every week now yeah definitely we're gonna make sure of it one way or the other if it means i gotta stay up till midnight and bug my wife while she's laying in bed then so be it that's uh that is what it is we'll get it done for sure uh, but we want to thank all of you guys for listening again and bearing with us through the time that we've been away. Uh, we appreciate you keep supporting us and listening and sharing everything we appreciate it and we will catch you next week on the flight play podcast <laughs>